Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, user vision. Yes. I'd like to know what, what, what is it, what do you do, you know, take from there kind of thing. Okay. So, the description of user vision has changed from its initial days as the uh, market has evolved, but we're a user experience and service design consultancy. We're a leading consultancy in that field. Uh, we're based in Edinburgh, but with satellite offices in, uh, in London, in, in Dubai as well. A lot of clients there. And uh, that's, that's really what we do. It's all about trying to improve the user experience, whether that's through interfaces or processes, which really makes a nod towards this, this other area of service design, which is, is really integral to it all as well. And how, how long have you been going for? Since 2000, which I always surprise myself when I hear myself say that, because <laughs> it seems just like yesterday. But uh, yeah, since so it's 22 years now. Um, yes, and uh, yeah, that's what I mean. The things have changed quite a lot, obviously, technology-wise, but I, I would say attitudes-wise towards what we do, which has been a, an interesting journey in itself. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to hear about it. So how did, how did it all start back in 2000? Um, it started in that, uh, it started with a bank at the time that was, uh, you know, quite the, quite the project going on uh, here in Edinburgh. It's, uh, it's called Intelligent Finance. and. Many people were working very, very hard to put together an online bank in the days when there is really hardly any proper online banks. And this one had a fairly unique proposition and a few things. And um, the team that was leading it, one, one person in particular uh, said, you know what, in addition to all these clever technologists that are trying to put this together and back-end devs and all sorts, <clears throat> we need to make sure it has a good user experience. They probably didn't use those words. They said, we have to get someone to look after the usability. Yeah, the terminology feels. we use has changed a bit in our field. So basically, uh, they put out a, a call for that sort of thing. And I decided that I was going to point my life up here to, to Edinburgh. I've been living in London for the past nine years, uh, 10 years. And uh, so I, uh, yeah, I answered that call. And uh, I remember, you know, going for the going for an interview. And even the recruiter at that stage was really sort of he kind of said, oh, "This is this is interesting. It's uh, I've never really had a request for this kind of thing, and I've never had anyone who's kind of offering that service." And he kind of <laughs> put the two together, and that that was it. That was the origins of it. Uh, and for the first about a year, year and a half, that was the main main project, and it was it was me. Uh, but I realized that uh, there's a lot more, obviously, that, that's needed than this uh, company with a bit of forethought to, to actually uh, request it. Uh, so I, you know, I needed to set a limited company to, to do that. And uh, uh, I started uh, looking around for other work and starting talking to others and giving a lot of free training courses and seminars to raise awareness, a lot yeah. of market education about it, and uh, trying to to see if anyone else could be interested in this field and you know, not so much the technology side of it. There's plenty of technologists out there, but more about how do you actually make sure that your technology is going to work for the end users. And fortunately, quite a few people were interested in that. And they said, that's exactly our problem. It's not that, you know, that we can't create technology that works and stuff. It's just that we sometimes create it in a it's not understood. Yeah, no one you know? likes to use it. Yeah, and then we get, if we're lucky, we might get the feedback and we might actually change it. But, you know, so it was really, I realized that there was a gap in the market, you know, for that. Uh, there have been relatively few, most of them based in the U.S., uh, companies that offered that kind of service. And for a more sort of, I guess you'd say an enlightened company that has, has, is self-aware enough to realize that 
everything that they're creating is not necessarily going to be perfect just because it works technically. Mm. Uh, that the human element is at least as important as all of that. If the user can't use it or won't use it, it just doesn't work. Mm. Just in the same way as, you know, if you've got some coding error or something like that. Um, so that message has really been, you know, stayed the same, even though the technical environment's changed in all these years. Um, and yeah, so ended up getting, within a, within a year or two, had quite a, a really enviable set of, of clients, you know, some, some other big banks and uh, uh, you know, uh, computer companies, you know, various, various types there. So in, in public sector as well. Um, as more of them heard about it, then, and as the field and the need for user experience grew, uh, it, was, it was the right time. In a way, it felt like it wasn't the right time because it was just around the time the tech bubble was bursting. Uh-huh. If, if you remember way back, way back then, you had all sorts of things that were coming out and internet business propositions about all sorts of things. Anything you with could, the dot-com and names. The yeah. dot-com bubble. Yeah. And a lot of them were pretty spurious, you know, and some of them, even the high profile ones, the most, the most high profile one is if you, there's one particular example, boo.com, that was very, uh, you know, flashy and everything, but you just, it was incredibly difficult to use. Mm-hmm. So I sometimes use that as, a, as the poster child for what was going wrong at the time. It was just like, it wasn't built to, around the user needs at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so people were realizing that that was one of the reasons why that things were not working out so well, is that the technology was not in line with user expectations. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, there was that period of adjustment. People became aware of it, and that was, that was it. The company's grown organically since then. We've not, uh, you know, gone out and taken in investor sets or anything like that. It's, uh, it's all grown organically and reinvested in itself, and uh, it just grew, grew from there. From a core of clients, primarily in either public sector, uh, financial services, those have been the two strongest bases, mm-hmm. you know, from those earliest days, and those are st- still, I would say, our two main areas. Quite a bit in, you know, uh, travel and e-commerce as well as well as other interesting areas like uh, charity and other sort of third sector areas, and uh, it's that that variety actually for me. And I, I believe for the for the team as well, it just keeps it interesting. Mm. The fact that you can be within a typical week thinking about a few projects in highly different sectors. Yeah, and keeps you fresh, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. So, uh, yeah. So, in a rather large nutshell, that's that's how it all <laughs> came about. <laughs> yeah, and and so um, that's massive staying power. You know, keeping the business around that long. What, what's the What's the passion for it? What, what makes you believe a user experience is, is so important? I think it's, there's sort of two halves to what's keeping me motivated 22 years later. With it. And one is the, let's call it the craft, and then there's the enterprise. Um, you know, the enterprise being the business and just any business challenge, like, okay, how are we doing? Revenues, where's your clients coming from? All of that, which is pretty common to many, many businesses, regardless of what you do. So there's that. There's that part of me that likes, okay, I like the challenges and learning lessons when I get things wrong or not, and all sorts of things. <laughs> and that's great. But the, the other half is, uh, is, is really all about the, fact, the area that we work in. The domain of, of uh, user experience is all about people. You're trying to design or optimize the design of things, taking into account the 
capabilities and limitations of, of people. And I think that that plays well to my sort of personality and my training. I guess I, you know, way back when in college, I, I was studying, um, I think it was mechanical engineering. It didn't really grab me. I was pretty good at the maths and all that and physics. And I was like, okay, I, I'll, I'll definitely get a job, a really practical job. Mm. But I happened to be taking a psychology course uh, as, a, as an elective. And that's what really grabbed me. I said, if I could find some way of combining these two. Yeah. And I did. Uh, I just happened to be at the right place where they had a degree course in engineering psychology, which is effectively user experience under a different name, slightly less usable name, I would say. <laughs> they had silly names like uh, human-computer interaction and off-putting things like that. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I kind of said, right, there's, there's, that's an interesting area, and it's a needed area. I mean, the context back then was, again, very different. Uh, and I I'm really feel fortunate that here I am, you know, many years later, still working in that, in that field where... The challenge is how can you design things that are going to click with someone, you know, will we'll make it easily, well, as easy as possible, understood, give them confidence in whatever they're trying to do, whether that's booking a hotel room or, you know, doing something on an intranet, whatever it might be, and the context can vary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's tied back to a human and very directly to a human that's that's the other part to it. So there's the enterprise and there's the, the craft, which is the fact that I'm doing something rather hu humanizing the technology, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so important. Right? I mean, it, it early on when we started ClearScan, even my career, I, came, I was a software developer. So uh -huh. coming from the, the back end, yes. but early on, very much an understanding of we need UX UI design, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it's not about throwing buttons up on a screen and then getting someone to click through it. And a lot of the time, the the problem masquerades in other ways with, with, with people we talk to. For example, mm. if I'm talking to, to a large energy utility client and they say, um, our users don't want to engage digitally. And like, hmm. How do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> well, do they want to sit on, a, on, a, on hold on a call? To, yes. Uh, call? Is that what they want? Really? <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. what they really want? Yeah. It's like, you know, getting the skin of it. Well, what is it? Why don't they want to interact with you digitally? And normally it's because there's very little thought going into the That's digital right. journey. The know? way they currently engage isn't, isn't answering the questions, it's leaving too many, you know, un, unanswered questions in their head. So, uh, yeah, and that's, that really introduces the whole world of, of, uh, of user needs, capturing the user needs, which is typically the, the starting point for any kind of user-centered design process, is really uh, learning about the users, their contexts, and from that, giving yourself a roadmap, as it were, for what are the requirements for our system in order to meet those, those requirements, these things we've discovered about our users. And then sort of the other main area of, of user-centered design is saying, okay, now that we have a better idea of what we need to do to design to meet these user needs, well, how's that going to work? And that's when you get into the, okay, interface design and priority of, of content and buttons and calls to action and all these things that we can see mm. uh, as appropriate. But the key thing is that it's as appropriate as informed by the users and the requirements you've taken on. And then making sure you're doing that carefully, being not in such a rush to get it out the door that you don't kind of test it with the users or evaluate it in some ways. Testing is perhaps the, the best way to get some empirical evidence of it. But, uh, and that's, that's one of the challenges. And of course, it varies with, with clients as to, to what degree uh, it goes under the scrutiny. In, in, at that stage, but uh, so that whole area of evaluating things is is a critical part to it as well.
Yeah, very difficult to get right. One of the values at ClearSky is the simplicity. So mm -hmm. the way we the way we communicate um, between teams with, with clients, that sort of thing, but in our technology and, and design of it as well. But yeah. a lot of times people mistake simplicity for um, for the e like easy and like simplicity yeah. is super difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's hard to make something that is inherently complex uh, appear easy. That's mm. the that's the the trickery. <laughs> now you need to break it down. Uh, in a way, I, I sometimes simplify it down to, I call them the two C words, you know, giving them a sense of control and sense of confidence. Um, so a sense of control kind of speaks to, does the person feel like they're going, you know, did they, they feel like they, they're just having to play a game that they don't really know what's going on, you know? And I guess confidence is very much related to that. Do I feel like I'm going in the right direction? Mm. And that is something we see, we have to judge and evaluate at a deep level and things like usability testing and say, okay, is this system giving control and confidence to the user as they try to find information, go through a process? And the process is likely to be, these days, not necessarily all contained in that one website. Or, you know, it could be now we're going across multi-channels <laughs> you know, uh, to, to do things. And this is where it speaks more towards service design. Mm -hmm. Your interface with the organization and its service is less likely to be just a one one stop shot. You know, let me just go there, boom, I'm done. Uh, you know, even when you buy things on e-commerce, the whole point from there until you get it gets delivered and you check out the product, etc. That's all part of it as well. That's all within the remit. And it used to be a bit more fragmented. You know, people would say, okay, well, my part has to do with this little segment. Uh, and that's, that's me done. But I think what's been really refreshing is many companies, as they've discovered user experience and service design, are, are recognizing, taking on the responsibility to actually you know, join these, these silos and actually say, okay, we are going to make sure the user has an end-to-end good experience. Now that's a bit harder to test in a typical usability lab session, you mm -hmm. know. There's other ways that we, we can do it. Uh, that's why we've got a, various tools in our, our toolbox to do that. But um, it's, it's great to see companies because that fragmented view was relatively unhelpful, you mm -hmm. know, to, to say, well, you know, my part's done, you know. Uh, yeah. It's no longer you know, like that. And, and is that all about building, uh, from a user point of view, building up the trust of the user that if it's consistent, yeah. the interactions with the company? Is that yeah, trust is a, is a big part to it. Uh, uh, no one's going to engage with the company unless they have um, yeah, a good sense of, of trust with it. And that is hard, hard to actually create, especially if it's a, it's a rather uh, new service that they've never you know, really heard of, or they've heard of, but they can't quite imagine how it's, you know, it's going to work. And it might get to a little critical point. Oh, at this stage, in order to, I don't know, take advantage of uh, something like open banking. Okay, that's fine. Interesting. I get the proposition, see everything in one shot there. I've got to share all my bank details to this other company here in order to get this whole thing to work. Hmm, I'm going to have to think about that. Mm. And then how do you build up that level of trust uh, that is going to, it's going to work? And that's a really subtle aspect that 
companies struggle with. It's not a you know, simple marketing blitz that's going to convince them just because they've seen your logo everywhere. Trust is a lot. Trust is a lot. Trust is a lot. Yeah, so, yeah. Saying, I would not trust you. Exactly. So you need to carefully pick apart, well, what is it that's kind of, you know, where's the chink in the armor here mm. for your, the lack of trust that you're feeling? Well, and they may articulate it fairly well, they being the end user you're, you're talking with, or they may not. There's a lot of uh, sort of inferred trying to, to, to understand what the user's trying to say. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and actually translating that onto the, the business itself. Now, when you say the business, that's typically talking to, okay, it could be the business analysts who often have a very key role in making sure that things are translated towards that technology team and the, the business planners and the product owners you know, in that case. Uh, so actually making sure that all these others have enough awareness and fluency in speaking user experience as well. Uh, it used to be, I'd say a few years ago, people would say, oh, you just get a UX person and you're all, all set. And they sometimes would have a slightly unfortunate role of, I, I call it like being the UX police. Um, they sometimes, <laughs> they're, they're embedded in with a design team and they go around with a waggy finger and say, oh, no, you don't, you know, your call to action isn't in the right place or, or you know, something to that effect. And they probably don't make too many friends in doing that. Uh, <laughs> so they, you know, like in any line of, business or life, you know, you need to build up your allies in doing a degree of uh, sort of evangelizing about, about it all. Like, here's why we're having to do this. And if you can back that up with things like, you know, here's a little snippet from a usability test that's, that, you know, it's not just one person, but a few people ran into this. Mm. And that's when that helps the penny to, to drop. Uh, so yeah, I, I always, when I'm talking to other UX professionals, you know, we sometimes have a joke and say, do you find yourself in the role of being a UX, the UX police? I certainly, I've been in that role and it's a, it's a, it's an awkward one to be in sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. It's all part of the, the fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got a say, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, and design, you know, the technical side of the team's coming back saying, well, we don't think that's right. And like, well, that's what the users are saying, you know. Well, that's it. I mean, it's, what's the phrase people say? Is like, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're dealing with people's opinions. And opinions are, you know, everyone's opinions are like elbows. Everyone's got a couple of them. And they're no, only of any use to you, really. Yeah. And it's, it's something like that. And, yeah, opinions need to be validated. And that's a lot of what we do mm-hmm. at that sort of, you know, at that evaluation stage is just saying, okay, well, let's, you know, let's, let's, see, let's get the evidence of this. Uh, even if it's a, from a relatively small number of people, we're often doing testing with maybe five people from a distinct user group. And that does, it's not a quantitative thing, mm. but if it's done right, it will show you the trends and show you the qualitative reasons why that's really working or not working for, for this particular set of users. And the key thing is to learn from that stage and, and iterate, you know, everyone loves the word iterate and you know, marries it with agile and says, look at us, here we go, we're iterating, etc." cetera. Yeah. Um, so that's the whole idea is that, yes, you do learn from a small set of people, you fix them and you, you change it, hopefully relatively soon, and you test it again and, and again and again. And that's another big change that I've seen happen. It used to be that, um, you know, people would be doing, let's say that, again, the evaluation, the usability testing would be a, a typical request. And they'd actually, sometimes we call it validation. Can you do some validation testing with my end users? And 
my, I would just think, well, we're not necessarily going to validate. I can't promise I'm not going to validate. <laughs> Maybe invalidating. <laughs> yeah, it may, it may give you some tough questions to, to answer here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it's often kind of left to, you know, we're, we're launching in two weeks. Can you do a usability test to make sure that everything's going to be working great? It's yeah. Like, oh, okay, we'll see if we can fit it in, you know, <laughs> and, and everything. But, it, uh, yeah, more people are getting it early in the... Uh, in the design process, because you can do it from a very early stage, even before you've actually made an interface design. Mm -hmm. You're playing around with, I don't know, the navigation system, which at that stage is you know a bunch of words, you know, and you can you can do some great things to make sure that that's going to hang together mm -hmm. right. Yes, this whole world, a subworld of what we do is called information architecture, has really nothing to do with the layout and the design, certainly not the colors, but all the semantics of the words. You know, if people navigating a site, we've all been lost on them. And it's typically because you thought that one would give me stuff that I'm assuming is within there and you're getting it wrong. Yeah, now, yeah. that's always going to be a challenge, but there's a lot of those challenges can be, uh, can be uh, you know, refined mm. earlier on in the process by, uh, by looking at the grouping and labeling of, of this. And uh, that, that's another really interesting area of, of user experience as well. And have you seen um, companies be more open to that? over the years of user vision and then at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say one of the main changes is that certainly in the early days of, of, uh, of websites and, uh, and even in, in, actually I'd say even more so with internal systems, is that there tended to be a real correlation between sort of the department names and sort of the names that ended up on the menu <laughs> in the, you know, on, on, the, on the website. You know, it's like, okay, and it, it just that that's, it's all kind of a byproduct that um, of that siloing of things. And pe as people have realized that it's an end-to-end -end journey that the user is going through, we need to uh, you know make sure that the user isn't feeling like they're having to just jump from one department to the next. Perhaps the, the highest-profile example of that is uh, uh, government digital services from the UK government about ten years ago did a radical change to the way they thought of it because it is very divided up into departments. It is still in different departments, but at least at the top level, you're getting a pretty coherent journey-led uh, process that the user can follow. So you're speaking about the user's journey. Now, if that journey needs to draw on, say you've got a process of I don't know, starting a business or something, that might need some things from licensing and some things from I don't know, property areas. Instead of jumping them from pillar to post, trying to give them a good... Uh, yeah, a good seamless journey that overlays that. And you can dive into the other ones as needed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, I think uh, it's, it's a very, obviously a very vast area of that, uh, or example of that. But mm -hmm. I think that's, that's one because the government was synonymous with like, oh, that's, that's, that's someone else, that's not my job and yeah. stuff. Um, and that's changed quite a bit. And I think that it's, it's a, good, a good example of it. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know what happened about kind of maybe 10, between 10 and 15 years ago, um, there's a lot of platforms we come across now, whether it be internal facing to businesses or, or maybe just not that many uh, end users in it, where there's, al there's almost no user experience going into it at all. Mm. Um, where a user basically logs in, you know, login page, fine, nice and clean and tidy. You log in and then the user just got to imagine what to do next. You know, they yeah. just put loads of options. Just, it's over your user. I hope you know why you're here. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's so common. Most systems I see of that, say 10 years ago, are, are, are still in operation and yeah. looks like that. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of it is, and we have a few projects that from time to time that are 
effectively upgrading legacy systems that were fairly user hostile. <laughs> user hostile, that's a yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to describe. They're, they're tech friendly and user hostile, you know, in, in a way. And uh, yeah, and I, you know, that's great. It's, you know, it's a few years late, but mm. the penny has dropped and people realize that that's, that's what needs, needs to be done, mm. I think, you know. I think it's the, the impact when you take something like that and then you start to make it more around the user, more mm. like signposting them of, Okay, so the users logged in. Why have they logged in? Are they here to pay a bill? Let's make that really easy and yeah. you know, straightforward to do. What's the kind of biggest impact you, you've seen maybe in a specific project or something like that where you've been, you know what, I got involved, it's like this, and by the end of working with user vision, it's now like this. Yeah, I, I, it's usually a series of, of various changes that collectively make a big difference. So, um, yeah, I can think of one with a, a travel company, a, you know, a large airline that we've had a few projects where... You know, for them, it's a, it's a commercial thing. And that's one of the areas of interest. You know, with public sector, it's less overtly, immediately a commercial thing. It's, it's, you know, it's usually information provision. Um, but with, with this kind of business, it is. You know, how can we get more people booked onto flights? They're managing their own bookings. And um, there were some clever propositions for how to be doing a new way of representing a pricing structure. And uh, they... It, it seemed to make sense from the business point of view, but because it was more complex, as you were giving the option, more options to the user, and this is common, I'd say, in, in different guises, um, what the user wants is more choices. Well, the more choices you give them, then you really need to start being really careful how you model and represent these choices so you don't start to lose the, the confidence of the user where they feel flummoxed, like yeah. you know, what's, the, what's the relative benefit of each of these choices, et cetera. And that, in summary, you know, I go into the details, that was it. And they were, we kind of helped to, I'd say, avert a rather substantial, uh, you know, launch of something that was, would have been really, really quite suboptimal. And we got mm -hmm. enough evidence to say, you really don't want to do that. You could, but it's, you know, from our you know, prediction here, you're going to be losing a lot of people. And they're going to be calling your call center at best, or they're going to be going to your competitors at mm. worst, or just, and that that actually that worked out, and they made substantial changes. There was a lot of grumbling, you know, not everyone was entirely happy, and this is one of the things, as in any line of business, and especially technology, a lot of people will pour their heart into things. They mm. fall in love with their own design. Mm. You see this all the time. Mm. Um, you know, well, you can't. How you know, can you criticize this? I think it works it's great. Perfect. Well, yes, you've been working on it for the past six months. You probably see it in your in your sleep, you know, <laughs> and you know how to use it back to front. Um, <clears throat> this is a first time user, you know, using it. So, it's uh, yeah, it's that that type of, of thing where you do need to rather diplomatically let people know in in an evidence based way why this isn't going to work. So. In one hand, speaking to the designer in a way that they get it and don't feel affronted, mm. but also on the other hand, speaking to the business in a more commercial way. So, look, if you did do this, you know, here's let's predict this is what it's going to be costing you and getting you if you did launch it this way. Mm. But if you did it this other way, yeah, it'll probably delay things a bit. It might cost a little bit more, but it's going to work out better. Mm. And you're asking everyone to look into a bit of a crystal ball here, um, but. Uh, that that was one that I think was quite quite gratifying, you know, because it did change and made a, a real big change to their their direction, which was fairly preordained. It was their kind of 
fairly down that path. And mm -hmm. they said, we need to take not entirely 90 degree, but a fairly substantial change in the uh, design and layout and the order of the, the information that was presented to the user, specifically to build up their, the user's confidence in that process of booking a flight mm. and being able to choose between which options they were going to be getting. Mm. So that, to me, is, is one. I know I, I can't you know, no, no, show I, you the examples and stuff, but it was I, quite interesting. I, I think the idea around the, the confidence and trust in a, in a flight booking journey is, is super important, right? That's the start of someone's holiday. And if it goes wrong and they've not booked it correctly, it's, you yeah. know, it's going to have a disastrous effect on the feedback for the airline. Quite often I see companies where they almost get fixated on the wrong thing. And, you yeah. know, and, and give it some context, they're fixated, fixated that our project has to be live by a date. Yeah, but really the stakeholders don't don't want a project going live. They want the impact on the revenue or the better customer reviews. And so sometimes yeah. it's trying to you know, guide them away from you're, you're focused on the wrong thing. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> perhaps this is you could call it. I mean, this is the kind of a more of a debate to have down in the in the pub sort of thing. But it's just uh, you know, is this an accidental sort of casualty of 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 the agile uh, you know sprint driven process? You know, which is very much a, driven by. Uh, technology, you know, sorry, sorry, we're going to have two-week sprints and there's a certain cadence that you're trying to get through and the, uh, yeah, the expected thing is get something out the door, you know. It's less of an emphasis on getting the right thing for the user out the door. Not to say that Agile and UX are, are diametrically opposed, they're not, but mm -hmm. it can be a little bit hard because there's this some fairly loud voices. It's the same, just get it out the door. Mm -hmm. I, I, I always picture UX as, uh, well, as something to do with like volume of, 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 you know, like an amplifier or a mixer or something like that. In a typical project, um, you know, you've got two really loud voices that are having this conversation. It could be like you and I. And those are the business and the technology team. And often the people like the BA, business analysts, are doing kind of a shuttle diplomacy between the two. Mm -hmm. And the business saying, well, we need to do this because you know our investors want this, or this is the way we've always done it on the phone system and we're putting it online. Da, da, da. Over to you, technology, what can you do for me? And then <laughs> they'll say, well, okay, we're gonna be building in .NET because that's our bag. And, yeah. da, 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 da. and they'll talk technology and business goes, okay, I kind of understand that. But, uh, and they have a very loud conversation between business needs, technology requirements, opportunities they might be talking to. There's so much to talk about there. The volume is cacophonous yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the room. Meanwhile, you've got the, the users there like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the thing with them, um, so you get MVP banded around the place. Yeah. And you're like, uh, so minimum viable product. Viable for who? Yes. Like, is yes. it the end user or is it the business or is it the technology that's team a great that's example. doing it? You know? Yes, yes. So what we need to do is turn up the volume yeah. of that, you know, on that mixer or something so the user's volume is raised up there as well. Yeah. And it's interesting you say MVP because that's, again, a real, you know, whammy word in our, our, our field, isn't it? But we tend to be calling it, you know, uh, minimal viable experience. So necessarily, you know, the user's looking for an experience. They aren't necessarily looking for a bit of technology. They aren't looking for a website. Yeah. They want to have a good experience, which is their problem, large or small, to be solved or assuaged in some way. And uh, that's it. So we try to implant that idea into clients to say, yeah, I'm to, to, yeah. to actually steer away from, stop patting yourself on the back because you've delivered a thing, which is minimum product, Great. Okay. Well done. Yeah. But what? To what degree have you, you know, having assessed and understood those user needs in terms of their experience they want to have? How far down that line are you in terms of meeting those 
those experience needs rather than your product needs. Yeah. It comes down to outputs versus outcomes. You know, many technology companies and businesses that you know are their patrons are much more interested in outputs. Hey, here's another new thing. Hey, you know, we have an app now, so you can track this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. The user is interested in, in an outcome. They may not articulate that themselves in those words, but reading between the line, the user wants an outcome, which is typically a solution to a problem mm. that they may or may not realize that they have at that stage. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> Once you shine a light on it, you might make them realize that, oh yeah, that, that is a real problem. You mean you can solve that? Yeah. Yes. And, and, and that, that, that passion for problem solving, that's, that's why I'm in this industry as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it all comes from early in my career when I was just in, you know, and even before that, when I was like uh, at school or something like that, and I was just, I just loved like uh, computers and that sort of thing yeah. and becoming like the go-to person in the family, like if there's a problem with a computer or something set up and then having that kind of like superpower to help people, you know, yeah. if I'd been more academically aligned, maybe we'd been a doctor or something, but I'm yeah. good at technology, so that's what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you get the kick you get out of that problem solving when you're at the scale of solving it for companies or thousands of users or... You know, it's, it's, it's a good reason to that's keep going, the, right? And that's, that's one of the things that I really get a, a buzz out of is, you know, when you see a website that's, that's been, you know, been changed and, you know, you can see the improvements there. Uh, that's, that's great. You know, that's really gratifying. You know, we don't, you know, we, we're not the front-end web designers. We aren't creating the pixel-perfect things, but we heavily influence that. We typically, you know, work directly with web design companies as well as the, the, their clients, you know, the, the end company. And it's just really gratifying. And it's gratifying for me. Uh, it's gratifying for the people that are part of the team. I, that's what I really try to um, try and connect the dots there. You know, when a few months down the line and something gets launched and stuff, to let that consultant know that they worked on that. Look at this. They've, they've launched it. Isn't that cool? They've actually put that yeah. in there. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that good? And... You know, if they can, you know, puff out their chest and say, you know, well done, I, I certainly do. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's great. I like trying to deliver that degree of satisfaction to to the team mm. uh, as well to point out, you know, what they're doing is, uh, you know, is good in its own way. Yeah, because it's not just the, the variation is one thing that that's good going between industries and that's that keeps people interested, mm. but also like the. Sometimes it's the validation, you know, when when real users are on it. So I, I like working technology that actually goes live and real users. You know, touch every day and it's part of their lives. Yeah. Um, and the validation is uh, sometimes re um, refreshing in good ways and bad ways. So, you know, yeah. sometimes we'd release a new feature and we're like, okay, can you give us the customer feedback that's coming in? And you're like, oh, right, okay. They yeah. want to use it in a different way from what you'd expected, you know? And, and yeah. you've got to listen to that and you'll know, get better and you know, make sure we, we understand that earlier in time. Yeah, yeah. And that's great to be, you know, it's great that you are self aware, I tend to use that word a lot, but. To, 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 to recognize that, okay, we didn't get it right the first time. Mm. And not everyone is that, you know, is, is willing to do that. The, you know, again, they'll point out, look, I got a thing out. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, did you get the thing out that was needed? You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so important. So in terms of the, um, your journey, uh, user vision, what, what, sort of, what would you say was the biggest challenge over, over the, the course of the... Gosh, we've had... Quite a few. I'd say, you know, in those early days, as I kind of intimated, it was uh, trying to seed the market, seed, educate the market, mm -hmm. I'd say. You know, people would say, 
because uh, yeah, we tended to not call it user experience, which is the, the watchword nowadays. It's, it's strange how the, the terminology has changed. It tended to be more about like, usability mm -hmm. and then accessibility, which is a point I'm, I'm also quite passionate about. And that was just really coming onto the scene. But when you talk about usability, people would interpret it in their own way. You, know, you tried to explain what we do and usability being made up of you know, effectiveness, efficiency, and satisfaction, which is a slightly academic way of looking at it. And they go, all right, are you, are you, so you're the ones that make sure it looks pretty and stuff. <laughs> Not quite, you know. And then it got to the point of saying people, it's actually there was a, a year or two there where it, it, the people are trying to set up this counter narrative and trying to say that uh, it's either usability or design, you know, which side are you on? <laughs> do you want it to be usable or do you want it to look nice? You know? <laughs> I remember once being asked to be in a, like some kind of panel debate thing where it was just going to be like me and one other person and I was going to be flying the flag for usability as it was and they were the design, you know, they were designer, graphic designer, whatever, they could do all that and you know, I don't really have skills in that area. And, uh, and, and there was going to be someone kind of moderating and say, okay, well, which side, and setting up questions and I just kind of said, you know what, this whole thing, I don't like it because it's not like you're trying to pose this, it's, it's, a, it's a false, it's a false uh, contrast. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, you, know, you can actually have a good design that looks visually nice and also a good user experience. So that, yeah. that you know, people quickly got over that. That was kind of 20 years ago or so. Um, but then along came, you know, the things that affected us all, the recession of 12 years ago or so, more. Um, and then, you know, other things that caused companies to put the brakes on. And that's everything from, you know, here in Scotland, the referendum made companies go, well, hang on, we're going to look into, we have to, basically hold off on doing something that is a bit on the cutting edge, which mm. might, which is the kind of things that are more likely to need some UX input because they're a bit innovative, you know? So oh, we're going to hold off on doing that. Mm -hmm. So between that, Brexit, of course, and then hot on its heels as, uh, you know, COVID, um, you know, we were really just very much hitting our stride when uh, COVID came along. Things were, for, were really, you know, getting a lot more sort of long-term clients. We've always had lots of repeat clients. We've had some for, you know, 16, 18 years or wow. so, you know. Um, but we're getting longer-term projects and, and things. And then breaks get put on for, for COVID. So those have been the main, the main challenges, as well as things that all companies deal with in our field, uh, finding the right people and, and, and all of that. Uh, which is critically important. I would say that's that's perhaps the most important thing. You know, mm. I always want to be getting the right people that uh, that know what they're doing, that actually like the role of being a, a consultant as well, and mm. and are able to explain things to clients uh, and, and and do that whole role. There's mm. the the technical side in a way of what we do, even though we're not sort of technologists in a hardcore sense. But there's the ability to explain what you do. Uh, both, both in a, in a verbal way, giving presentations, and also you know, we write a lot of reports as well. So, what's the most convincing, compelling way? So, people, some people really take to that and they really like it, and other people are no, I just want to, mm. I just want to, I don't know, do designs. So, finding the right people, you want it to be a match both ways, has been, uh, you know, that's always been a challenge uh, mm. but it's it's a it's a great challenge because we've had and we have a, a great team of, of people and i love seeing them uh, self-educate and and, and cross-fertilize knowledge and, and all of that it's uh yeah and to me that's really gratifying and now that we're starting to return to the office a lot more 
and seeing just even people having a chat with each other and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> something you don't get from a Zoom meeting, yeah. um, is has been really it's been really nice. You know, it's been it felt quite. You know, a year or so ago, I was feeling a bit like, oh man, this yeah. is there's only so many Zoom meetings we can That's, go through. Can't do it anymore. Yeah, Zoom so it's, uh, picking up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was um, I was in the office on uh, Friday last week, and it was full. Well, yeah. yeah for the first time I've been there it's been full anyway so we tried to go back kind of like two or three days a week and that sort of mm. thing but I remember on Friday I turned around and there's you know that kind of background chatter in the office that you just get with That's people being together like. sharing ideas yeah like two of the people were up at a whiteboard but everyone else was kind of listening in it's like yeah That's this is why I do what I do gold dust for me I love being in our sort of back office having the door open and just hearing people whatever telling jokes saying what they did over the weekend or just chatting about a project and mm. so what would you hear you know what would you do all this kind of stuff which is hard to do with a zoom thing or, or teams or whatever so yes i love hearing the the, the buzz yeah 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 so i mean we're definitely hybrid um in two or three days a week in the office it's yeah, just, that's, just that's really what we I, are too and i think every company will be kind of different and they'll, they'll get in their own swing it. but for me that's just it's, it's kind of why we're here we're a team right we're not we're not a group of individuals that do our thing we're a team yeah. that delivers outstanding absolutely. results absolutely absolutely that whole kind of you know feeding into each other and, and building it up um giving little case studies of your work etc I, I love doing that yeah and in terms of uh, user vision what's next i think the field is is evolving, uh, you know, the field of, of user experience and service design. It's evolving in reflection of of the experiences people are wanting to have, which is you know the technology that's that's underpinning it all. You know, you know, twelve years ago, whatever, more than that, <laughs> date myself. You know, mobiles came on the scene, and uh, or the iPhone did, and uh, you know that that completely changed things. And you know, we've had you know, virtual realities and, and voice things. So. It's keeping abreast of those, you know, trying to do more projects in that field and trying to work with clients to get them to um, to expand their opportunities to, 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 to go into those areas as well in a user-centered way. So, you know, the business is, is, is going quite well right now. The awareness of what we can do is, is going well. So we're just going to keep, uh, you know, keep doing it and uh, I think working our core field areas and trying keeping keeping those going and finding some new new clients in those areas as well. Um, we've got some interesting partners both domestically and internationally, and I think we could be exploiting those a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, so the international work is one that I'd, I wouldn't mind uh, exploring a little bit more as well. Mm -hmm. okay. So yeah, there's there's it's a it's a it's a good time coming out of this. You know, relative hibernation of, of COVID. Well, it wasn't hibernation, but it was, it was a, it was a tougher time. You know, yeah. people yeah. had other priorities, understandably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that creative side of things was really difficult. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so, in terms of user vision, why would I get in touch? You know, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm a big company or a small mm. company, but why would I get in touch with user vision? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think, I think if you are dealing with a a. a a problem you're trying to put something out for which the success is going to be largely defined by will people want to use it and are they able to use it that's where we can really help we've been able to as i said we've worked with many clients for you know for many years 18 20 years and they keep coming back because we we add the value of insight and experience-led design 
that is beneficial to them. It's an, it's an investment, yeah. uh, but it's an investment that pays back. Uh, and so if you realize that the success of your product or service is going to rely on uh, heavily on, on the users, uh, choosing to use it and understanding the process and understanding your interface, then, uh, then that's the time to come see us. Ideally, the earlier, the better. We still do get the, we're, we're launching it next week. Can you do a usability test yeah. <laughs> ones? But um, no, the earlier, the better, because there's so much more. So it's, it's, it's really that. If you, you, they often say, well, I often say, you know, user experience is the next competitive battleground. It's the kind of thing, because companies are typically fighting over very little margin in terms of their service level or their price level, et cetera. It's a, you know, often very little difference between it. But the companies that really, you know, that people gravitate to are the, the ones that offer the, the better experience. It's been shown in these various graphs I always think of here that mm -hmm. show a, you know, a, a really strong correlation between those companies that have the most active and strongest user experience design team, by whatever name you want to call it, <clears throat> and the growth of the, their company. There is a very strong correlation. So, you know, companies like you know, Amazon and Apple and stuff on the, on the enormous side, but yeah. even much smaller companies that when you've got an innovative product, especially I'd say, even if you've got a very innovative product or service, that's the time to, to, uh, to really consider the best way to make it work for your end users. And that's where we can help. There's typically, I think, three things. Are they understanding the proposition? Because sometimes it goes right over their head or it's not compelling. Yeah. If it's a process that goes over lots of different touch points or steps or period of time, uh, everyone, yeah, that's, that's a big risk area. And then there's the whole forgiven touch point or interface. What's, what, what does it look like and mm. stuff? And am I getting the right, am I you know, typing in the right information, understanding it? Um, so those three things, the, the proposition, process, and interface is what I see as the key things. And if you, you know, have any doubts on those areas and you want to make sure that they are as good as they can be so that the business can really benefit from it, then that's why they should get in touch with us. Great. I think I'll mm -hmm. be in touch from my, <laughs> from my SaaS you. platform, my book and offer, just, just taking the market. So yeah, definitely it's a, it's a kind of, it's a bit of special sauce, right? That's a good way, yeah, it's a good way to put it. It is, uh, you know, quite happy to point out the things that we, you know, we don't do. We're not a, I don't know, SEO consultancy. We're not a back-end technology company in any sense. We can speak those languages to a fair degree, but, you know, if you want to know about the, you know, the user experience and, 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 and get that designed as, as best possible, that's, that's what we do. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to cover? Not really. I think, uh, yeah, I think I've just enjoyed, you know, talking about it. It's a bit slightly down a trip down memory lane to <laughs> casting our mind back as to, for instance, what the challenges have been. But no, this has been fun. I've been fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I could talk for Thank hours. <laughs> it is, yes, yeah.